0: Hello, my name is Philip Mearton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion.
1: Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution, to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Merritton.
0: Now, today we are suspended between two worlds, the world of classical physics and the world of the quantum. The world of materialism and the world of the spirit of matter and ideas of spirit and the machine materialism says that the world is a machine operating according to its own power and that at the root of existence are these little particles mindless particles that operate independently of thoughts and emotions spirituality on the other hand is looking at links between the inner emotions and thoughts and the world outside now this di- dichotomy between spirit and matter splits ourselves into two pieces. Modern science, for example, treats the body as a machine. The brain is a computer and the heart is a pump. As we fix machines by replacing outworn parts, oil squeaky joints, and apply chemical treatments, we do the same thing to our bodies, but we call these treatments different things. We put them in the language language of medical science but quantum theory and spirituality say that there is more to the world than meets our eyes and indeed we're starting to see more and more people visionaries thinkers pointing out the connections between mind and matter between thoughts and emotions in the body and between thoughts and emotions and the world outside our bodies such as dean radin and Charles Tart, who've done some uh, amazing research in the paranormal. Among the leaders in this field, among the leading organizations in the field of probing the connections between emotions and the outer world, and emotions and its effect on our bodies, is the Global Coherence Initiative, which is a topic of today's show. Now, this is a science-based co-creative project geared to unite people in heart-focused care and intention. To facilitate the shift in global consciousness from instability and discord to balance, cooperation, and enduring peace. Joining me today is Howard Martin. Now Howard has quite a background. I'm going to summarize it here. But to begin with, he is the Executive Vice President for Strategic Development of Heart Math, LLC, which we'll talk about a little bit today. He's also on the Steering Committee of the Global Coherence Initiative. Now, among other things, uh, Howard is the co-author of a book which I would recommend. I found it very helpful myself. It's called Heart Math Solution, published in 1999. And... Many of you may have heard of HeartMath, and so Howard is one of the founders of this idea. He's also the author of an audio learning program called the HeartMath Method, which he he did with Doc Childra. He's a member of the Transformational uh, Leadership Council, which is an organization founded by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup for the Soul fame. This, is, this organization is made up of leaders in the fields of personal, organization, and social transformation. He's also a member of Evolutionary Leaders, a group of global visionaries founded by Deepak Chopra. Welcome to the show, Howard.
1: Philip, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: And it's great having you. Now, now we're going to sort of do this. Uh, I, I think I'd like to start from the small and then go to the big picture. Okay. Uh, you, started, you started, I think, in this area through HeartMath, and I think it might be helpful to describe really what HeartMath is.
1: Well, HeartMath really is a system of techniques, methods, and technology all underpinned with scientific research. It was designed by Doc Shouldry and those of us who helped Doc found the organizations uh, to really help empower people through these changing times. Uh, we are based in Northern California. We are, have become a fairly large organization. We employ like about 100 people now here, and have alliances with thousands of people all around the world. You know, we do business in like 87 different countries. It's just, you know, it's, it's it's become a fairly big operation. We do training programs. We again develop technology. Lots of things that we do here to really do what I said just a minute ago to give people tools and methods and things that they can use. To help make sense of these changing times and to really thrive instead of just survive as we go through this era that's generically called the shift.
0: Okay now let's talk a, a little bit about first of all the shift and we have we have a we have numerous people talking about a, a shift in consciousness a shift in awareness why don't you tell us what you believe this term means for us.
1: Well, to me, what it means is we are making a dimensional shift in consciousness. In other words, the very fabric of consciousness itself is changing. It's morphing at a very, very high speed. Consciousness is something, you know, that's hard to define. know, if you look up a definition of consciousness, you get almost nothing. But to me, it's this field of information that's beyond time and space. It's nonlinear. This field of information is what we draw upon and co-create with to create, you know, the basic cornerstones of what we see as reality. Everything from the psychological paradigms that we have embedded in us down to how we function as individuals, how we function as societies, how the systems are organized and structured. All that is coming from a field of consciousness that we are then drawing from and co-creating with. Well that field is changing and so in turn everything that we're drawing from it is changing. So the rules are changing in a sense of how we see ourselves, how we see each other, how the world functions. Uh, It's an era where we are moving from things, big paradigm shifts from a competitive environment to a more cooperative environment for example. It's a, uh, the type of consciousness shift where ambition with that consideration of the whole doesn't seem to work as well as it used to. These are just uh, two examples of hundreds and hundreds of examples of things that are changing. So what's really happening, to put it in, in, in other terms, is a new world, in a sense, is birthing itself right in the midst of the old one. It's pushing out, and the old one's pushing back, and we have this friction that happens right now. So we're in this era where we have a lot of duality, a lot of friction, a lot of tension, a lot of chaos a lot of upheaval. At the same time, I think many people are are sensing and smelling something new within themselves, a new hopefulness, a new adventure, some um, perspective on things. People are changing their viewpoints. They're changing their values. They're changing what's important to them. They're changing the way that they act and behave. All this is happening all at the same time. And so it's an interesting time period we live in. Now, the shift itself has been going on for a very long time. What I think is happening now, Philip, is we're in this little window of time. I would just estimate it, and I don't have a, a crystal ball or any scientific proof for this, but I'm estimating it at about, say, 80 to 100-year time period. And we're kind of in the middle of that right now. We've had some years preceding where we are today and some years coming, you know, coming up. in this little window of time where we're making a huge shift in this, in this consciousness uh, change, uh, unlike anything that I believe we've ever had before in the history of our world, so it's a very, very important time. It's a time of great challenge and a time of great opportunity. And generically, it's called a shift, and it's been talked about for a long time. I became aware of it uh, of this time period and sort of the the emphasis and predictions around it over 30 years ago. So I've been looking at this for a very long time as a as a, as a very important you know era in in the evolution of our world. In the last, say, 10 years or so, it's been talked about a lot more. And now leading up through this 2012 year, which has been marked as a very, you know, sort of central year to the shift, millions of people around the world are now talking about the shift. And so I know it's a sort of a long answer to your question, but that's kind of how I see what's going on today and, and what's being characterized as a shift.
0: Well, I, I would agree that we live in a very exciting time, and and I I often... Wonder whether this is this is sort of like an undercurrent or an under a a hidden plot to the story uh, that people don't really talk about and, and you know and you and you I think in, in your in your answer there or, or that it's something that is coming more and more out in the open. There's more and more people talking about it, and so and so what I think is exciting is that it is being verbalized. It is it and I like to think that it's not something very strange but it's something natural and I'm wondering whether you see this as a natural uh, development or whether there is something that science has done that to, to trigger this shift
1: I think it's more natural than scientific and things that has been done but yeah we are co-creating it let me explain to me the shift is much much bigger than people realize it's certainly a about a lot more than us the human human race it's about the planet itself it's about beyond our planet itself it goes all into the cosmos it's a major shift in the whole thing that's going on and we're in it and we're we're playing a part in it so it's happening anyway and so the shift is going to happen the world's going to change uh, whether we like it or not and the question becomes is how do we go through that change uh, do we go through it you know can we go through it in a more kinder gentler way can we confront the challenges that we face that are coming up as we go through you know, this massive shift that's affecting the actual planet itself in ways that, that benefit us, in ways that are less stressful. That's the real question. So in the process of this shift that's happening, we have the co-creative uh, role in contributing to it in different ways. Uh, and it comes down to simple things for me, and these are simple sort of heart math principles in a way. It's like... If the consciousness field is changing and we are co-creating with it, the question needs to be, what are we feeding the field? What are we putting into it? Are we putting angst, fear, separation, division, judgment, those kind of things into the field? Or are we putting more care, compassion, kindness, forgiveness? Are we putting that into the field? Moment to moment, day to day, I ask myself that question What am I feeding the field? I probably should get t shirts made or something. You know? <laughs> Maybe <Yeah>. trademark it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: What are you feeding the field? Yeah. Have you, f- yeah, have you fed the field today? Yeah. Have you fed the field today? Yeah. That's good.
1: And that's the co creator part. And we do that individually. We also do it collectively. Yeah. You know, as a global society, we do it collectively.
0: Well, well, I I like to well. First of all, I I pointed out just before the show that that last week we had uh, Emmanuel Consulman who talked about the karmic field, and this is really the field of karma, and it sounds so similar, and it's almost exactly the same thing. And I like to think, uh, in my my own perspective, is that through the ages, we we have different people in different eras, different generations calling the same thing by different names and 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 that's why this is that's why in my view this would be a natural shift or a natural evolution we mm-hmm. have the hindus talking about brahma and the one mind and then buddhism and then we had the western idealists i've sort of skipped ahead about 2000 years there but but we sort of had the western idealists talking about the the, the absolute and we had uh uh, Pierre Del Jardine talking about the omega point and Aurobindo talking about the evolution to the overmind. We have Ken Wilber with his thing. And, and, and we have all of these sort of areas sort of, to me, converging. But what, what appeals to me about what you're doing or what I think is different is, is you use the word science-based. And, and, I, and I think that that is very important in this day and age where science is viewed as the most authoritative discipline. So what, where is the science in, in the Global uh, Coherence Initiative?
1: Well, if I may, Philip, let me contextualize this for you sure. and, and all of our listeners today a little bit. You know, our approach here at HeartMath has always been what we call a heart-centric approach, and what we've found in ourselves long before we actually formed organizations, and what we've proven out today, is that we have an intelligence within us. It's called heart intelligence. It's high speed. It's intuitive. It's an intelligence that allows us to really manifest more than we think we usually can. It's that place inside ourselves where we find self-security, where the hero within is born from. All those things are what would be characteristics of heart intelligence. You know, the birthplace of some of the emotions that we revere the most, the ones I mentioned a minute ago, like appreciation, care, compassion, love, those kind of things. So we have this magnificent intelligence. Now, we discovered that in ourselves a long time ago. When we formed HeartMath and we wanted to structure it in a way it could be shared with society, we didn't want to be just looked at as another heart thing out of California. Right. You know, our, our goals and intentions were to, be able to, to have mainstream uh, you know, influence and to help really make a fundamental shift in the way that, you know, the world functioned. And so we recognized that we're going to have to build a bridge here because heart is nothing new. It's been talked about for thousands of years. And if we're going to introduce it now in a modern context, we have to do it with some of the tools that people respect. You just said it a minute ago. One of the things that people really respect and really you know um, utilize to reach understanding is science, right? Right. When science says it provides an empirical sort of side of things, it allows it to be more believed. It concretizes it in some way and makes it more real, more visceral, and therefore a greater utility. And so... In the early part of heart math, we set out to look at, at how we could begin to see if this heart intelligence had a physiological you know, uh, component to it or not, and we found that, in fact, it did, that we found that not just through our research, but research that we were able to, able to discover that was just peppered out through the literature all over the place, was that the heart, in fact, does a lot more than pump blood at the, at the base level, not the energetic level, but right at the physical level. It's doing a lot more than we ever thought. It's sending information, important information, powerful information, to the brain and to the rest of the body. It's a major information processing center in our body. And so these are things that we discovered, we discovered the the ways in which it does it, the pathways in which it communicates, how it does it, you know, nervous system, hormonally, doing electromagnetic field it produces. All these things were discoveries that we were able to put into a coherent story. And that's the basis of the HeartMath training programs. And with that coherent story, with that understanding, we were able to do things that we do today, like we train in major Fortune 100 companies. We're training right now in the U.S. military, all four branches. Healthcare systems, educational systems have adopted HeartMath. If we had been just another organization talking about the sweet side of Heart, I'm not sure that would have happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, one of the things that I really that I, that appealed to me when I when I when I read the when I read uh, the HeartMath solutions is a that it is logical and it and there's and there's science to it. And we could talk about that a little bit more, but but B it had a very I think original and helpful discussion on on how emotions run faster than your thought process. Uh, i right. e you react emotionally, and it's so true we tend to react emotionally uh, before the brain gets in gear. and and part of what I got from from the book um, is that if you learn to control your emotions or or at least rein them in a little bit, the, and 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 let and listen to your heart as you say in the book, then you're going to be, calmer, you're going to be healthier, you're going to react better to stressful situations. Uh, I thought that was very helpful and, and of all of all the books out there and there's so many of them that talk about, you know, whether it's positive thinking, whether it's the secret or whether it's tuning into the global mind or something. I mean, I thought that the book had that had those practical steps which which I found to be valuable. Uh,
1: Well, well, first, thanks for that, and I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, a lot of times people just want to stop at science, you know, with us. But, um, you know, the science is important. There's plenty of science in the Solution, as you know. But what's the utility of all this? You know, when it finally comes down to it, where is it useful? How does it change and make my life better? How does it improve my health and my relationships? You know, all those things. Well, it comes down to emotion. Emotion is everything. And as i said in the book, and as I've said many times since in, in, in forms like now, uh, I believe that learning to better utilize and regulate this amazing gift that we have called emotion is really the next frontier in human evolution. It's through the emotions that spirit transfers itself into humanness. It is through the emotion that we experience life in a very, very unique way. We can feel more than any living thing on this planet, and it gives us a unique connection to the world and to life. It makes it, it, makes it very, you know uh, I'll use the term again, visceral. You know, it takes it out of just an objective observation into this tangible, living, feeling experience that we have. And yet, emotions tend to run us. They go up and down and all around They jerk us around. People are afraid to look at their emotions, all these stigmas and all of this. And what happens when we go there is it blocks us off from the gift. So learning to use the intelligence of the heart, which works faster than emotions, to help bring governance over the emotions, to allow us to make better emotional choices, not repression, but emotional choices, It puts us in a position where we then experience life in a different way, and we also, this is really important in terms of the shift, then we've got mind and emotions aligned, and that powers up our intentions and allows us to have a better influence on the field than we had before. We become better conscious co-creators when we have emotions, mind, body, and spirit aligned. Now, there's a lot of talk about that, that, that. That alignment is described in a lot of things. But as you mentioned, you know, it's reflected in the book, but it's reflected throughout the entire heart mass system. It gets down to the practical things you do. We have techniques, we have methods, we describe things, we break things down, we use examples, we show people how to implement their gift uh of heart intelligence and its ability to regulate emotion in their daily interactions. And that's where, you know, where the rubber meets the road.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think yeah. that's
1: the practical side of heart math, and we underpin it with science, right? And that gives it the empiricalness that I think people need.
0: Well, I think one of the the major objections, or and I don't know if objection is the right word, but but I would say doubts about something like heart math and the and the global coherence initiative is that it's is that it sounds. And I'm going to put it nicely. It sounds mystical or too spiritual or too touchy feely. And, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and, of course, that is, I know that is one reason why you and, and others in your organization have, have gone to the science to support it. But, but one of the points I want to make is that, is that the book itself, uh, the HeartMath Solutions, and I'm sure other um, features of your materials have real practical steps that are helpful. And so so even if you're a a, a complete doubting Thomas, and you say, well, this is all mumbo jumbo here, if you if you go through some of the steps, and I think that one that one a lesson was a freeze frame, is it called freeze frame? That's one of our techniques, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. One of the techniques. It's a very helpful technique that actually works, and it's easy to implement. And so, if you start off with the practical, you think, well, well, maybe it's not all mumble jumbo. I don't have to meditate and get in touch with the you know with the one mind or something. I could apply this practical step, and it makes sense. To me, that that starts gaining some credibility, and and, yeah. and so I thought I thought that was helpful. Now I wanna I wanna talk about and you know the science is important because as I said, there's doubters and there's people that would put this some of this in the in the category of new age or 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 um, or or mysticism, but but why don't you talk about the scientific basis for for heart math for a little bit.
1: Well, okay, I, there's a lot of angles we could do on that. And what I'd like to say, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, Philip, be glad to, but for those of your listeners right now that are really interested in the science part of HeartMath, uh, you can go to the HeartMath.org website, and there's a research tab on there, and you can look at a lot of research papers, a large body of work that our scientists have done, Dr. Roland McCready and his team, amazing right. people, um, and what they've actually accomplished. And there's a, you can get the research papers and things there. But one Good of the point. keys to this whole thing is that when we were able to identify a state, when heart, mind, emotions, and all that begins to work you know, together in the right way, and it's a state that p- people talk about now, I hear the term, uh, especially in the circles that I run in, it's called coherence. And the medical term is really psychophysiological coherence. What it is is a state when um, all the body systems at a physical level begin to synchronize with the rhythmic beating patterns of the heart. They do anyway, but you can learn to, to regulate those heart rhythms and synchronize things even better. And when that happens, we enter a very healthy and very efficient physiological state. Uh, it's a high-performance state. Athletes, uh, we train athletes, for example, in coherence-building techniques in the military and things like that as well, things like perceptual Perception uh, increases, um, the visual field increases, reaction speed times increase, there are health benefits to it, etc. That's the physical part. The psycho part or the psychological part is that it is a state that is, first of all, triggered when we feel positive emotions. And then once we are in that coherent state, those emotions become sustained positive emotions. The emotions that feel good to us, the emotions that are regenerative to us, all that comes easier in the coherent state. And coherence can be measured. You measure it by looking at the changes in what's called our heart rhythms. The medical term for what we're measuring is called heart rate variability analysis. What that means is that, you know, we're looking at the timing between heartbeats because that timing changes between every single heartbeat. Our heart does not beat in a steady rhythm. There are timing changes between every single heartbeat, and that's what heart rate variability measurement looks at. When we are experiencing emotions that have been termed by psychologists as negative emotions, like let's say we're frustrated, Philip, right. or, or impatient, you know, those kind of feelings, or angry, any of those things. It throws those heart rhythms into chaos. Heart rate variability pattern looks like the kind of pattern you would see if you were looking at one of those seismographs of an earthquake. Hmm. And when that's happening, the body's not functioning well, and it's actually inhibiting brain function. Now, we can learn to make changes in ourselves, and that's what our techniques do. And they can take those heart rhythms and put them in a more ordered state so that they're rising and falling in a very natural flow. And that's what coherence looks like when you measure it with heart rate variability. And so that's a basis. You know, there's many, many angles to heart math research, but the basis of of it, uh, one of the basis would be looking at coherence, this physiological and psychological state that we can enter into. So when we go into the military, for example, to put this in context for you and the listeners, we're we're teaching them about heart. We're teaching them about positive emotions, but why? We're teaching them how to increase their coherence. In increasing their coherence, they become better at what they're doing, more perceptive, more aware. Again, physically, it's good for their health. They're more conscious of what they're doing. They make better decisions. You know, those are the reasons. And so, the fact that we're taking a heart-centric approach is easier for them to to uh, accept because we're talking about a research understanding of increasing coherence, this great uh, physiological state that we can enter into. So that's one example of a research basis for heart math is coherence. Now we know how to do that to, with an individual. We've done it with tens and tens of thousands of individuals. We even have the M-Wave technology which is um, something anybody can own. We have computer-based and handheld that train people how to become more coherent, and that's become a big deal for us in terms of what we offer through our businesses. So we know how to do that, we do it well. We also know how to do it in organizations, in, in groups of people. We've done that successfully. Part of what our show is about today is the Global Coherence Initiative because you know, we decided that if we knew how to do it those two ways, let's start trying to create it more globally. Let's take it to the big picture. Right.
0: Right, right I think that I think that's really a, a good step I, I just want to get clear about something here and that is the idea is to synchronize uh, thoughts emotions with the physical body is or, or the physical signs in the body is that is that coherence is that what you're saying
1: in a sense yeah and, what you're doing is you're changing your heart rhythms okay and, so and that you're Okay, You're making them be more ordered instead of looking like an earthquake.
0: Okay, okay. And by and by more ordered it doesn't necessarily mean more constant. It just means no, right. it looks
1: like a sine wave. You know okay. what a sine wave looks right. like? Right. So it's kind of you know, it goes up and then back down like a you know, wave it's got rounded edges right. to it, right? right? Up and down, up and down. So the heart is steadily speeding up and at a certain point it begins to slow back down and it speeds back up again and slows back down. Instead of in a negative emotional state it would be speeding up slowing down speeding up slowing down this okay. jerky pattern
0: okay so so the techniques that you that you teach in heartmath some of which are in the book the heartmath solutions the goal is to control the heart rate variability
1: to learn to manage it better okay. and learn to sort of okay. flip the switch inside really
0: yeah see see that but makes doing a lot so okay. here's what's
1: what's cool about it philip yeah, is you don't makes... get there unless you learn to to regulate emotions and experience emotions differently, right?
0: Right. Okay. That so you're okay.
1: also training yourself at the same time to access more positive emotional states, which are really, really good for us physically as well as uh, you know relationally. You know, in terms of how we relate to the world and what we feed the field.
0: Yeah that that makes that sounds that makes a lot of sense. And 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 the reason I wanted to to get clear on this is that it sounds it sounds very much like a musician. Uh, which I know you are a musician as well or a or a athlete and I have in mind uh, like a, a golfer you know I went to the Ryder Cup uh, a couple weeks ago and the pressure those guys are under to mm-hmm. make putts to make shots and you could and you could see that the stress affects even the greatest athletes and, and affects their bottle you know it's called it's called the yips in putting that's right. And and, uh, and 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 there's another word that I don't like to say, but it's got a, it starts with a C that, that affects every athlete when the, when they're under pressure. And it sounds right. it's it sounds as if as if part of the goal here uh, for and, and and would apply to everybody is to get your emotions aligned with your body and really maybe we're not saying anything or maybe you're not saying anything too complicated here it really is controlling your emotions and and sort of getting in tune with more of a natural state of being as opposed to getting all out of sync
1: well we've trained a lot of golfers Uh, matter (laughs) of fact some of these Ryder Cup golfers have been trained in heart math. That's interesting. I was with a a business guy last week uh, down in Santa Barbara and he was uh, he had his, his golf game had improved dramatically from using the M Wave, and then I told him about the Ryder Cup golfers, and he said, "So you're responsible for them taking the Ryder Cup, <laughs> huh?" He's a little concerned about that. So, yeah, yeah, you know, well, it's all your be fault. careful. Yeah, the golf part and the, and the sports part is kind of sexy, you know, because yeah. it shows that hey, these guys are using it and they're successful and all that. But what that does really is it, it gets down to if it can help them, then what can it do for me? You know, right. outside of a, I'm not a professional athlete, right? Right and so the person can ask themselves that well it can make you a better mom right. it can make you better at, at the job you do it's your business it can make you a better human being it can help you overcome challenges if you're faced with challenges that's where the really cool part gets to me is what everybody can do because what I love about heart math one of the things about it and I'm of course biased to help start it but one of the things I love about it is we're dealing with something people already have yeah. they already have wonderful hearts it's just they, they often are cut off from them um, the roar of ambition and survival and the pressure we live under today sort of takes us away from that sometimes but the journey home is not that far and when we make that journey back so to speak then life can have some amazing turnarounds for us and that's what I live for is to see people have those turnarounds within themselves the other part of it is fun it's sexy it's cool I like all that and I have fun with it uh, but it comes down to why I'm on your show today is I'm hoping that I'm touching somebody's heart somewhere that's going to make a difference in how their life unfolds.
0: Yeah, and there's and there's there's no doubt that everybody could benefit from controlling emotions, from from getting from working from the heart more. And you know, as I as I said before, the other the other point I really picked up from your book was this was this concept of thinking from the heart instead of thinking from the brain. It, it, I think it, it's a it's a more healthy approach. To sort of listen to your heart uh, if you can do it and i and uh, that one example uh you gave in the book about about focusing on on your you know if you can't think about focusing on your heart then focus on your big left toe and and then and then mm-hmm. and then go to your heart and it, it really it really is i thought it was a a i thought it was a very uh productive helpful practical tip so so i'd like to now move to what is was what is even more exciting uh, it, we started with HeartMath. It's definitely a one of the best programs out there. Out there, I think, for improving ourselves, our relationships to other people, and to the world. But you guys have now taken it to the next level with the Global Coherence Initiative, which is sort of a somewhat of a mouthful, but 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because like, but but it is what it is. But so why don't you talk a little bit about what the global Coherence Initiative is?
1: Okay, first of all, it's part of our nonprofit, the Institute of Heart of Math. It's, a, it's an organization we formed about three or four years ago now. Um, you can go to the website, and maybe when people get through listening to the show, they can go there and they can find out more. I'll talk about it some now, of course. But glcoherence.org is the URL, GL, the letters GL, the word coherence.org. But it's a membership organization designed to bring people together uh, in heart-focused care and to use that heart-focused care intentionally to help shift you know, the global consciousness field from a lot of the discord, chaos, and, you know, and, and problems that we see to one that it, it promotes more balanced cooperation and enduring peace. Now, let me say this. There are thousands, many thousands of groups of all kinds who have formed around the world right now, and that's very exciting, I think, do not you?
0: Yes, yeah. oh so, yeah. You know, oh, they're
1: everywhere. And so they're coming together in different ways. Some, some are coming together for specific um, interests, like maybe ecological interest or social justice interests, things like that. And then there's some that are coming together just for the, the wide consciousness you know, uh, facilitation type things and all that, so there's groups everywhere doing that. We felt we should be making our contribution. We were not trying to be the big deal in town and all that. We felt it was more important for us to do it in a balanced way to do it without any hubris, to not try to make this a big ambition uh, project for us, but to do it as a service. So we formed the organization, and we have members now from over 87 different countries. It's close to 50,000 people now that are Global Coherence Initiative members. Membership's free. You just go to the, the, the website. is a place where you can click the sign-up button. You put in your, your um, email address and your own password, and then you get into the site, and there's all kinds of interesting things inside the site. There's interesting things outside of the membership area, but inside you get to things like the care focus room and a lot of really interesting and fun places. So that's part of it. Now, as I mentioned, we're doing that, and we're doing it by bringing people together. We have people focus on specific things, specific planetary issues. We have synchronized activities. We have some that are not synchronized but that are you know suggested directions. It's very neutral. We welcome people from anywhere with any belief system. It's not about having to use heart math. Uh, people can use whatever they're comfortable with we're just guiding and recommending things uh, that we, we all focus on so there are other organizations like it now what we did is we being heart math felt like we needed to bring our science to the party as well because we can make a contribution there so this is where it gets really exciting our researchers in consort with some other scientists developed sensors that sensitive technology that measures changes in the earth's energetic fields there are two primary fields that that the Earth produces. One is called the geomagnetic field, and that's the field that a compass measures, created by the spinning of the iron core at the center of the Earth. The other field, you know, works with the uh, with the geomagnetic field, but it's called the ionosphere. It's a less dense field that goes uh, up into space. It starts right at the edge of the atmosphere and goes about 120 miles, I think, up into space. These energetic fields are part of our Earth as a living system, and they are protective layers around the earth that protect us from solar radiation cosmic rays all those things without these fields we can't exist there would be no life here so they're part of what we are part of the earth now these fields change all the time they modulate they flow there's all kinds of natural things occurring that affect these fields other science a lot of it actually has confirmed that these fields are affecting us right down to our individual health sometimes and certainly societally Things including our health, including uh, traffic accidents, and ter- and, uh, things like terrorism, the start and stopping of wars, uh, eras where we had greater creativity, you know, positive things as well, have all been tracked and linked to changes occurring in these fields. So we know that the fields have an influence on us. Now, using and maybe by now some of your listeners can figure I have a southern accent. <laughs> so, Using some good old Southern boy logic, I figured it this way. If they're having an influence on me, there's got to be a relationship. Maybe I influence them too. So we have a hypothesis, and the hypothesis we're testing is this, is that mass human emotion, lots of people, whether that be positive or negative, could be having an influence and measurable impact on the Earth's energetic fields. Now, the technology we have can observe changes in these fields. It's a ground-based system that we're building. never been done before. It's a big deal. We're building a ground-based system to look at the the Earth's energetic fields and to, over time, and I underline over time because this is complex science, to begin to look at, at proving or disproving that hypothesis. It will take about 12 sensor sites strategically located around the world. Right now, there are actually four in place and working, Uh, There's one in northern California, near where we're located. There's one in northern Canada. There's one in the United Kingdom. And there's one in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Early next year, we'll be placing the fifth sensor site in New Zealand. And then a couple months after that, the sixth site will go in South Africa. And so... This is complex science. These sensor sites are expensive. They cost about $50,000. We get those sites donated. People have funded those sites and things like that because they believe so much in the research. So we're looking at the fields, and we're studying the fields. We're looking at changes that are occurring. We're trying to understand more about the fields. We can't say for sure yet that mass human emotion is infecting those fields. That's down the road a little bit because we have to do this science right. We should always do science right, but this is especially important, Philip, and here's why. Think about this. I'll I'll quote Jack Canfield for a second. He's on one of the board members. He said he thinks this could be perhaps the greatest experiment in the history of the world. The reason he thinks that is because if this proves to be true, what it will prove is that all of our thoughts and our feelings, all the prayers that we've done, all the meditations that we've done, all the affirmations, invocations, all of that was putting in an energy that could actually be measured, and that was interfacing and dancing with the Earth itself. Now, if that proved to be true, I think that would be a big deal. So we can't default at any point along the way to seeing things too early and allowing this to to morph itself into being characterized as pseudoscience. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a advanced science, but it has to be done well.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I think it is a. a, a... Very interesting hypothesis. I happen to think it is a valid hi- hypothesis, and it's consistent with a lot of a lot of my own writing. Uh, I, I think it's exciting that you guys are doing it, and I and I want to try to take down some of the mystery here a little bit. And that is, uh, my own thinking here is that from the placebo effect, as as one example. Uh-huh. it's it's almost it's it's established that thoughts feelings emotions affect the physical body um bruce lipton who's going to be a guest in 2 weeks wrote the biology of belief
1: that knucklehead, you having him on your show? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I've stooped down i I'm even having someone like him. On Probably the show. Greg
1: Braden's here, right? I call him the Knucklehead Brothers. They're yeah. both good friends. <laughs> yeah, I
0: I, 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 had Greg uh, a couple weeks ago, so we have very uh, good. So we have uh, the whole cast of characters lining up here. But, 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 but anyway, but anyways, what my point being that 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 we're so it's so obvious that we that when the body is sick, that the mind is also sick. It's so obvious that when there's something wrong with the body, the mind feelings are. Are affected. We're depressed. We don't feel good, etc. That's the whole definition of being sick. And and the pl- and the placebo effect and other things show that the that the power goes f- also from the inside to the out. Then we have such things as as quantum theory, which shows that there isn't really a separation between consciousness and the world, and it it doesn't take a lot of additional. Thinking to surmise that perhaps there is a connection between not only different people but different people in the world. I, I know that's hypotheses that that Dean Radin has tested, and I'm sure you're aware mm-hmm. of, of uh, you know sure. the the random number generator, which I think yep. is referenced on your website. Uh, what D, Dean Radin did something similar where he had that random number generator spinning out, lo and behold, random numbers. And, and to determine whether uh, mass events or, or world-shaking events such as uh, the Super Bowl or 9-11 or the Academy Awards or whatever would, would affect the generation of random numbers. And indeed, there is a measurable effect. The randomness gets a little bit more ordered. Okay? It's just one little data point. I don't think he's proven that there's a cosmic consciousness yet but but that's but it's a similar kind of hypothesis so so I think it I think it is I think it is a fantastic um, experiment and I I will be I will be paying attention to it I I want to probably ask a question that that some people may be thinking which is that uh, this this is nice it's 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 very helpful and it's it's inspiring to to talk about a global consciousness and about contributing positively to the field but what about up the peace in the middle east you know what about the real tough problems the the problems for you know between the jews
1: and the muslims
0: uh, that i mean for i mean what what do we what do we do about something like that
1: well you know i think it- first of all, we're not going to solve it, you know, logically and linearly. It's gonna take yeah. some kind of a higher intelligence approach, isn't it? Yeah, I would agree with and, that. And I think heart has got a lot to do with that. I mean heart intelligence doesn't belong to heart, man. It's a big deal. We just happen to language it pretty good. But to me it's part of the evolutionary imperative that's associated with the shift. And in that, you know, we're moving into a different dimension or a different bandwidth of intelligence capacity. So we'll be able to see solutions that we can't see today once we stabilize, you know, in this next phase. Right now, it's it's a tough it's a tough road. What we can do is we can put our heart, focus, care, and intention towards it. And I know that sounds soft and squishy, you know, but we can put our heart, focus, care, and intention towards it, and that's got to help. I mean, my belief is that it does. On a practical level, there are things that are trying to be done. and I'll just give one example, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but one of our people right now is in Greece as we speak. She works for the project that brings together young teenage uh, Palestinian and Israeli girls to begin to work out their differences. And she's done this at this thing her third or fourth time now, and she says it's amazing, because they do come in there really polarized yeah. and afraid of one another. And sometimes they've never had any contact with each other. Yes. I'm you know, not talking about you know, individuals. These Palestinian girls maybe have never been around an Israeli girl. Yes. And they come with fear. They come with all this angst. And over a period of a week... She says they go through amazing transformation. Now, they go back into their society as ambassadors. You know, and this is a small steps kind of thing, right? Right. But these small steps are leading to to larger solutions. The solutions that, that I believe are there to bring this together, but I don't think we see them quite yet. It's like we haven't been able to see into the holographic picture that exists of what that can be, but I believe that's coming. So when we do things like the Global Coherence Initiative, what we're really doing is we're just taking uh, – Hard focus care, and intention, and sometimes we will apply it to something like the situation in the Middle East, for example. Right. And what we do in that, though, is we take a neutral approach. We don't try to take an approach that is overly prescriptive because we don't know, you know, a lot of things about uh, these situations. So what we do is we have people focus on, you know, helping the highest, best outcome to emerge, for example, um, so that we can have the, you know, the best unfoldment possible and allow things to play themselves out. You know, in a, in a bigger stage than what we can we can see, but we do focus on things like that. That's something we all can do. It doesn't doesn't again immediately solve the problem. Proof magic, it all goes away. But I think that I'll just put it to you, to you this way, and to the listeners this way. A belief that I have is a very simple belief, but one that I hold too strongly, and it's this: no love is ever wasted. The more we put that out, the more effect that it has. It never, never is wasted. Yeah. So I can love those people from a distance. That's the best I can do right now. I can't do any more than that. You know? And uh, But I think that that is important in and of itself, that I do that and that others do that. Because from that, from the consciousness field itself beginning to change, we will then draw from it some solutions to something like that problem. It's obviously a huge point of tension, isn't it?
0: Well, well, I think that you know what I try to do, on this show, among other things, is to bring some of these high-sounding principles down to earth, and and because I think that is so important for people to understand that this is not just some some kind of spiritual meandering or intellectual sort of game here, th- or, or or even or even um, some kind of of religious aspiration. There are there are certain things that just make sense. I mean, for example culture the concept of culture is very similar to a field people when you're raised in a culture or a certain society it does affect the way you think it affects your awareness it affects your perception of yourself and your Uh, and your relationship to 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 other people and and a lot of and so when you said you know at least you know if we all contribute positively to the field by showing gratitude appreciation Exuding care, love, I mean it's 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 the right thing to do. It's taught in all the world's great religions, and you are improving the state of the world a little bit at a time. you're maybe planting one seed, but nobody ever said planting one seed was a bad thing. and and so and so it really is it's and, and, and at the same time, we are changing culture. You, you could change your your own household and I think it and, and I, I'm reminded of a couple, a couple of things here one of them is and i won't get it right but confucius had that saying something like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna summarize it when there when there's peace at the home there there's peace at uh on the earth if you start small if every home has peace and then every community does then every uh, county then every state then every country it sort of builds from the small to the large the other thing is the Einstein quote that people use it all the time, something like you can't solve a problem using the same level of consciousness that created the problem That's right. it's you very it's very similar to the to the problems we have in the Middle East, which is as you said, you've got to rise above they, you have to rise above that level of consciousness that created the problem. I think that Einstein was was right on more levels than he might have imagined. I don't think, it, I don't think his thought just applied to, to physical scientific theories, but I think it might also apply to social problems. Um,
1: That's true. Yeah, I agree. He was, he was right about that, exactly. Yeah, and I've quoted that before, and it's just kind of what I was saying earlier. We're not going to figure out the Middle East the right. same way we, we got there, right? Right, right? It's going to take some new thinking, and I think that new thinking is coming. Um, and I think it's, it's all part of the consciousness shift unfoldment that we're going through, and it just has to be given some time for it to play out. But I do believe it's headed in the right direction. And, and here's why I believe that. It's like there, in the midst of all these problems that we see, and those things are front and center for us all the time, there are so many people, and I have, I have the advantage of getting around a little bit. So I'm out there in the world some, in different parts of the world, and there are so many people who are doing so many wonderful things and who are, are very aware and very conscious beings. I figure this is like enough of us are doing that already to have offset some of the major problems, and we're just through the play-out phase right now. Right. I'm, actually, I'm actually really positive about the direction and the, the future of our world. I'm, I'm also a pragmatist. We've got some, some hard road to walk. There's some problems that have to be solved, and they're not going to be solved overnight. So it isn't, it isn't a picnic that we're in right now, but I also feel we've already crossed an energetic line of some kind it's allowing this to emerge more quickly now and, and these solutions to show themselves more quickly. I think that's actually happening.
0: Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, one of the points that, that I make on a couple shows is that if you look 25, 30 years ago and you look in the book, on the bookshelf for uh, books in this area, you know, you had uh, Norman Vincent Peale with Positive Thinking, you had the Tower of Physics, you had the Dancy Wooloo Masters, you yep. had, you had uh, Earl Nightingale and you had a couple other folks like this now there's entire shelves there's entire sections in the bookstores with yeah, sure. with, with books They're on everywhere. This, on the, every, yeah. everybody there's so many people looking at this from from different angles and coming to the same conclusions and and so i, I don't think there's any doubt that there is a shift a rise in consciousness happening uh, i think it's i think it is a very exciting time to be in uh, i i like to uh, before we close, just ask you uh, one question. That you sort of uh, ha- have answered, but 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 for those folks uh, who are listening, who want to I- you know increase their personal coherence, <laughs> uh, um, or or to help help contribute to the field and create more global coherence, uh, what can they do?
1: Here's what I like people to do. The first thing I would like you to do is go to the Global Coherence Initiative website and. And, and become a member if it appeals to you. And the reason for that is, is regardless whether you have any money or want to spend any money or do anything, you can join that for free and you can, you can utilize the power of your own heart to help. And you can join with others in 87 different countries around the world to collectively make a difference in the field. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you really want to learn heart math, you can find out about it at the heartmath.org or heartmath.com sites. I will say that for individuals, people that are listening now who want to learn this system that we've talked about, we have a whole curriculum called Heart Mastery, which you take from your house, you listen to some, some really cool pre, pre-recorded pre um, classes that have workbooks that you download, and then we have live discussion groups every single week. So this it's a combination of self-paced learning and live interactive learning, and that's the way people can learn it. If you're sitting at home right now listening to, to Philip's show, you can learn it that way. So... You can find out about Heart Mastery and join that, but you can find out about a lot of things about HeartMath on the HeartMath.com or HeartMath.org site. The last thing, and I know I've given a lot of options here, is when you go to the Global Coherence Initiative website, look on the front page and you'll see uh, a little button about an event that we're going to do, and I'm not on your show, uh, Philip, today to sell an event, but I do want to make people aware of things that are there. There's an event we're going to do. We've never done one like this before. It's called the Heart of Transformation, and we're going to do it the first week in December down in Mexico, right in the heart of Mayan country. We're going to do it at a nice five-star resort, all-inclusive at a reasonable price. It's going to be myself and, and Roland McCready, the director of research. We're going to learn heart math tools and techniques. We're going to explore the science of the energetic fields and all of that with Roland, the real scientist. We're going to play. We're going to do fun things. We're going to have people give everybody opportunity for relaxation, regeneration, and, and, you know, the beauty of what's down there. And at night, we're going to get together and we're going to do heart-focused activities to feed the field. And that's something that, you know, people can do. But if you can't do any of that and don't want to learn heart math, none of that, that's fine. But I would encourage you to become a member of Global Coherence Initiative just so that you have an opportunity to join with others and to, to join hearts, really, and let's all work together to feed the field uh, with uh, the best of us, the best that we can bring to it, and that comes from our hearts. And if we do that, and that's all we do, I still think that's a major contribution. And uh, I would applaud anybody that would endeavor to do it with great respect.
0: And and I, I I like to I like to thank you for that. And I I just like to add that. That with with heart math and with the global coherence initiative, I think we're seeing some of these new ideas in science and spirituality being brought down right in front of us, right right inside of us, at our hearts, our feelings, our thoughts and emotions, telling us how to control our emotions, how to be better people, how to get in tune with ourselves, and then we bring that out and through the through Howard's uh, global Coherence initiative, they're, they're, they're bringing the message globally and, and, and we could call it an experiment and, and, and Howard, you called it an hypothesis, which I think is great. We could call it hypothesis, but but we're never going to know if it's true unless we test it. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I think that that's, that's, that's the message here that, uh, that on this that in this show we're trying to bring open-minded people who are thinking outside of the box. We know we have problems out there. We know that we have a lot of people in their boxes, in their categories, in their cultures, nationalities, buildings, uh, places of worship that, that, that believe that there's never a way to bring things together. But it's pretty clear that this is one way to do it. The Global uh, Coherence Initiative is one way to do it. It builds upon Eastern tradition, the perennial philosophy uh, of Aldous Huxley and, and a lot of great thinkers who ha- who are going down the same path and so so i'd like to thank you um howard uh you you've given your website those who want to follow up there's plenty of other leads here but uh it's been in a it's been a an engaging conversation and uh, and i personally learned a lot one last plug for you uh, <laughs> uh the HeartMath books and the and the website it, it is it is very practical stuff so so for the doubters I, I recommend a couple techniques. I tried a few myself uh, actually today, and they tend to work, believe it or not. So once again, Howard, thank you for your time.
1: Doing shows like this, he's doing this as a service. I'm sure, Philip, you, you have to put a lie into this, and I think I uh, want everybody to really appreciate that as well. You give me a chance to be able to express what I feel like I need to express in my service, and for that I am appreciative.
0: No problem. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and we'll see you next week. Uh, This is Philip Merton, and this is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening.
1: You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Merton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.